Hey, what's up, dogs? This is Stephen Lee Clark with a long-awaited episode of Talkful Radio. I know it's been a while, but hey, this is a very special episode today. Before I get into that, in today's news, we're going to talk about the architects of the robot uprising, Boston Dynamics. And then we're going to touch upon the refusal to acknowledge animal intelligence. Okay? Then in the interview segment, we're going to talk to some fools who are very special, amazing, intelligent, and not to mention easy on the eyes. Wreck and reference. They're my good buds. This is going to be a great episode. And I got a little surprise for you. So sit down, kick it. All right, this is Talkful Radio. Stephen Lee Clark with a very special episode of Talkful Radio. And now, uh, I said it earlier, and I'm going to tell you why it's special, okay? So, this is a landmark in Talkful Radio. Uh, we, today, and hopefully from now on, are going to have a co-host, okay? And that co-host is my good friend, Kern Haug. What's up, Kern? Hey, Stephen. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, so uh, I'm really excited about this. Uh, Kern is somebody that I've known for a long time now. Uh, and I guess what, like, so we met each other at work in San Francisco a long time ago. And, uh, it was kind of one of those things where it's just like, okay, your, your mind is very interesting. Okay. And so me and Kern, like we have one of those things going, okay. First of all, we do an AM radio station together or like a show it's Kern's show. He's like nice enough to have me on. And we kind of just do what we do in real life. Right. We just talk about yeah. anything yeah. we've been interested yeah. in. So that to me was like perfect. Anything. Right? Any, yeah. Any, literally anything we've been interested. So that to me was perfect because it's like, uh, I get a little crazy. Right. And, and, and Kern's interest in crazy, it like totally matches mine and I can totally appreciate it. And one of the things that I've always said about me and Kern is that you are like sort of relationship is like all you can really ask for in like, an intellectual like friendship because you always say things that I don't think of right so like when we're talking about any sort of topic like you just have this different look of things like 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 outlook on things and you'll say things that I'm just like oh yeah that's that's a really okay that's a good point I feel like that's you can't really ask for much more than that right so uh Kern's here he's gonna do we're gonna start off today oh also this is like the perfect episode because uh, you know Wreck and Reference, right? Yeah, yeah. So you so guys went to happy college? Happy to be attached to that. Yeah, with Ignat. Okay, yeah. So and We you used to play in a band together. Yeah, okay. So yeah. you and Ignat went to college. Um, and then, so I met Kern in San Francisco. We worked in, like, this god-awful industry called the coffee industry, right? Uh, we made the <laughs> best, uh, we, you know, we made the best of it, became buds. I met Wreck and Reference separately, and then one of the first things we talked about was like, oh, you know, Kern, sick. Like, that's perfect connection. So you're the glue that holds me and Record Reference together because I don't even like those guys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They're like the best dudes. Um, so, yeah. So a couple things about Kern. Obviously, okay, 
obviously it's been a while. Okay. And again, I say it all the time. I said on the last episode, my life is like, it's a little bit of a whirlwind. Okay. So since I last talked to you, the last thing I did was the Def Heaven tour recap. And before that was Chris Bruni, right? So the Def Heaven tour recap, that was a long time ago. And I understand that. And I'm sorry. Okay. But since then, uh, I did a whole nother U.S. tour with fucking Lamb of God. Okay. And the, okay. Let me tell you something. They're the nicest dudes. Okay. They're really cool dudes. They're wonderful. Very nice people. Uh, and they have riffs. Okay. Which is cool. But like, uh, that was a very interesting thing. I'm going to get into that in a second. But like, so I went out, I did the, I did the Lamb of God tour, got back 10 days off. Right. In which I did try to record this episode. Uh, me and Felix, that's when me and Felix and Ignat of Reckon Reference sat down and we did an interview. But then I fucking went to Europe for another five and a half weeks. Right. So it's been fucking crazy. I got home and then I played Coachella. So that's basically like, and don't even get me started on that shit. Okay. So, so basically, I haven't had the time to sit down. So this is what I'm hoping. Well, one thing Kern is going to bring to the show is, again, a different outlook. Uh, he has interests. He's going to help me with these articles. Uh, the news segment is like a new, it's sometimes news, sometimes just shit we think is interesting, right? That we think that you guys would think is interesting, too, hopefully. Uh, if not, it's not your it's not my problem. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, so that's one thing. But also like some sort of regularity. OK, so like I again, I apologize uh, and I think Kern, Kern's really good. He's just good at everything that I suck at. Okay. So he's good at being responsible. He's good at being organized. Okay. You're, you're good at all that stuff. So good, it's good symbiotic relationship. Exactly. Yeah. You're the I, yin to my yin. All these things you say about me, I think about you, but. The opposite. In, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, I'm terrible at organizing. I'm terrible at, at this timeline thing. So this will give us a little bit of an anchor, right? A talkful anchor, okay? And I'm on the other end of it. Whenever I'm gone out in the world, I will always have an invisible rope, like if, if you will, attached to the talkful anchor, right? Which is current, okay? So you can, he's going to be sending me articles. I'll send him articles. He'll kind of just like uh, act as this like reinforcement of a schedule, that we desperately need here, right? I'll, I'll be here in LA. Yeah, and uh, and that's another thing. I'm making some moves in life, okay? I'm here on the West Coast. I don't know how much longer I'm gonna be on the West Coast. I might go to the East Coast, right? Uh, maybe, perhaps. It sounds like fun to me, we'll see. But no matter what, Kern is the fucking co-host of the show, and I'm very excited about it. And it's a very natural thing, because again, we do we do the K Chung radio thing together and it's always natural. It always flows. It's always wonderful. Okay. So that's Kern. Uh, say what's up Kern. Hey. Okay. So Kern's here, uh, and Kern's here to stay. And I'm very excited about that. And you will be too. Moving on. Lamb of God tour. Okay. Very intense. Again, very nice guys. All right. They're wonderful people. Uh, the band's cool. Let me tell you something though. Okay. That was the band. The first band I've ever toured with. That was so big right that they appeal to this different audience literally literally people that have grown up on a different fucking planet than me okay than anybody i know right never once in my life okay and you guys you guys might know this you might understand this hopefully you're not this person okay but like these these are people that were like it seemed more to me like they're on a level of size where it's like 
oh, these people are coming to the show. These are just normal ass Joes that are like normal dudes and, and normal people that are just, this is their, this one of two shows they're going to see this year. You know what I'm saying? They're at their construction job, uh, like slaving away, looking forward to the Lamb of God show in seven months. You know what I'm saying? And that one and like, I don't know, fucking Guns N' Roses, you know? So I was like, so when they see an opening band, I don't, okay, I've told this to Karen, I've told this to everybody. When I see a band, right, I've been going to shows my whole life, okay? When I see a band I don't like, never in my life have I thought like, I'm going to very, like, I'm going to vocalize loudly how much I don't like this band, right? Which happened to us a few times. It wasn't too bad, but even that little amount was like, holy shit, I've never, I've never gone through this before, okay? <laughs> now, uh, when I was in Jersey, okay, we don't really play Jersey that much. It's a hard place to play, but again, another level. I got called a spick, okay? And uh, I doubt that that person will listen, but if you ever do, I just want you to know you're a racist piece of shit, and I hope that while you're listening to this, a fucking car runs over you, okay? Because it's a bad thing to do. But anyways, it was really funny because Jersey, you're a special place. Because at Jersey, there was two fights at our show, uh, not, not, not having nothing to do with us, but there was two fights at our show. Uh, I got called a spick, and the best part was uh, we saw a couple 69ing in their car in the parking lot, which was hilarious. Our, our friends, oh yeah, and that tour was with Power Trip. Shouts to them. Uh, been good friends for a long time. Amazing, incredible band. Never seen him play a bad show. Anyways, uh, yeah, Hood fucking got that shit on his phone and he sent it to the group to like, what the fuck? And there was literally two people in their car 69ing, which I was like, that's fucking tight, dude. That's, that's beautiful. Good job. You know, like, uh, the weird thing to me was that they got fully naked before they did it so they, it seemed like they like kind of got out of the car got butt naked and then got back in the car or something along those lines and then i guess when when hood uh filmed it they saw and like just kind of kept going and then like they decided to like drive like 200 feet to like another area of the parking lot and then continue so i was like damn that's fucking that's some wonderful shit okay yeah that was that tour very fun whatever power trip ruled uh it's very fun hanging out with them i want to get them on here uh yeah once the whirlwind dies down but then so after that was what european tour not much to talk about there very fun whatever oh i will say this though okay i will say this very very special thing okay uh as you guys know we're all a big team right like that's it's a wonderful thing uh and it was literally mind-blowing to me okay to play a show all over the u.s and random places people would fucking yell out talk full radio okay and that shit made me tear up it was wonderful okay i'm a hard-ass fool right i don't ever cry i've never cried once in my life but i wanted to cry because i was like this is amazing it was it made me so happy that people were were a just listening because i told I, I put it out there before if you ever taken 10 fucking seconds to even briefly listen to this then i really appreciate it and you fucking rule okay it's really tight of you whatever but like yeah i'm gonna say there was one guy that was in corpus christi texas that was screaming talk for radio and his name was mason so that was sick and i was just like super excited about it he was stoked i was stoked so what's up mason you're fucking tight and yeah that made my day because i was literally like corpus christi uh corpus christi here we go and then that show ended up being fucking sick and it was cool and it was set off 
really well by Mason uh, for me because it made me super happy. Anyways, yeah, that was fun. Um, last thing I want to talk about is fucking Coachella. Let me talk to you about Coachella, okay? Have you ever been to Coachella? I've never been. Yeah, no. okay. Um, it's fucking... It's like, what does intense mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if someone moved here from a different planet and was like, oh, I heard this word called intense. Uh, I heard anxiety. I don't know what those mean. Can you tell me what it means? I would send them to Coachella, right? Because I was literally freaking out when I was there. I was like, I don't, I don't know. Okay, I don't care about celebrities, right? I didn't see any football players there, right? I was looking for Johnny Manziel, even though he's like, kind of not a football player or whatever but i was like oh that'd be cool didn't see anybody there as a football player i saw like uh i don't know a bunch of fucking celebrities i don't give a shit about you know uh, except okay i will say one celebrity moment was i saw the weekend and i was like wow you are way shorter than i thought and to be honest it just really bummed me out right so like whatever i was just like oh that sucks like, like prince yeah exactly yeah. yeah and i was like man i i don't know i was just I really like the weekend. I don't know. I was. I don't know. I was. I don't know. I was a little let down by that. I don't know why. But anyways, um, yeah, I never thought it's something I never thought. Anyways, all I kept thinking was like the money, dude. There's the money involved in this is crazy. It was there's hundreds of thousands of people there. I don't even know how much. It was insane. And 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 like and like I was like thinking every single person working is getting paid, right? Every single band got paid a lot of money, right? Every single fan here paid fucking like 400 bucks for a ticket right and then they have this thing called the vip room or like area that was like a thousand dollar ticket and i was like this is insane and it was full of people right and i was thinking the whole time i was thinking i wish i could have the money that was involved in just like my view my, my line of sight right like i wish i could just if you like cut off my peripheral vision i wish i could just have all the money spent in that viewing area in like stacks of hundreds yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because then I'd be like, like thug. It'd be sick. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so yeah, that's what I've been up to. Again, uh, a very special episode. Record references are amazing people. I'm super happy to have Kern. This is the first episode of Kern. Kern episode one. All right. Uh, and yeah, it's gonna be a fun time. We got some interesting shit to talk about today. Like I said, sometimes news, sometimes just stuff where the thing is interesting. This is a little bit of bulk. All right, so yeah, to kick things off, I got ass, three S's, from Portland with Taxi Hill. Fuck with it.
that was X with Taxi Home. That song is fucking amazing. I love that song. I love the simplicity. I love the samples they use. Uh, that song's sick. So, moving on in the news. Here's some bullshit that happened somewhere today. Uh, news, whatever shit we've been interested in. I'm going to tell you like this. I saw these videos, and I think I instantly sent them to you, Kern. Yeah. It was insane. Uh, I'm a bit of a futurist. I'm excited about the future. I back the singularity wholeheartedly. And as a realist, uh, uh, it seems to me, right? I'm not saying that this is universal reality, but I'm saying it seems to me that robot uprising is the only thing that's going to happen in the future, okay? It's like what else could possibly happen besides we get hit by a meteor and we all disappear, right? Uh, that's just me. So technology is getting more and more advanced. We're getting – like our main goal seemingly is to create artificial intelligence, right? And there's endless funding that we do know about and we don't know about going on. Uh, to achieve this goal and so again machines perfection math calculation okay i hope those words made the connection in your brain because it really seemed like it made a lot of sense to me right there okay so uh what i want to talk about now is boston dynamics okay i mean i'm okay first off again robot apocalypse seems inevitable to me but i'm an investor i'm super interested in it I invest in a very few things. I'm trying to invest to like set myself over the future, whatever. But one of the things I invest in was this investment package of robotics development, right? Half the companies I've never heard of, but I'm super excited about it because I really like robots. They're cool. And I like the idea of robotic perfection. Okay. It's just calculating the, you know, the, it's, it's a very binary system for a robot. It's, it's you do it or you don't. You're programmed to do it or you're not. You know what I'm saying? So if I tell my calculator, if I give it this number times this number, it, it's only supposed to do one thing. And that's tell me what that is. You know what I'm saying? And I like the efficiency, whatever. Uh, I tweeted about, or not tweeted, I think I, I, on Facebook or whatever. Recently, I was just like, I can't remember what it was, but it was, oh, oh, it was, uh, I, I, I sent out a video that was like this machine that attaches to a crane and it does every step of a lumberjack in like 30 seconds. So if you can imagine, it's so sick. Uh, I'm surprised it ain't sick. It's, if you imagine this like dangling claw thing that's hanging from a crane, swoops down, wraps around a tree at its trunk, cuts the tree, right? grips the, the the remaining you know the entire tree itself after it's been cut off moves it to the side strips it right so there's no branches on it and then slices it up into these segments all in literally like 30 seconds and i was like this is mind-blowing it's so sick again I, I i think i might have talked about this before i listened to a ted talks one time about a guy that was walking on the street and automation was his thing Right. So he was in, in his and his thing was walking down the street to San Francisco saying every like pointing out every job that could be automated. And I me personally, again, you guys all know this. Hopefully Colonel will add to some yin to this yang because I'm not a humanist at all. Humans are fucking idiots. And we've said that many times in this uh, robots are more efficient. And I personally, OK, 
just me. Don't get mad at me. Everybody's going to get mad at me. Whatever. I'm used to that. But I, I automate everything, right? You know who's not going to go on strike? A fucking robot, right? At BART, when I'm trying to get to the SF from Oakland for, like, my work on the night shift, right? That happened a long time ago. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, robots, dude. It's the answer. So I... I, I have I have a lot of yin a yin to add. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. Uh, perhaps and that I so I'm I'm sort of not not convinced, but the philosophical sort of analogies that run through things that I'm kind of about, like uh, like improvising, thinking on the feet, like things like that, to me are about sort of the not sureness, mm -hmm. like an embracing of the not sureness. So I yeah, sort like of have this, this imagination of uh, a not robotic future, but a sort of like a consciousness increased. Oh, well, I that mean, would this, be this makes me sound very, uh, very hippie like. Uh, yeah, yeah. Take off your drug rug. But, but you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know yeah, I, mean. I do. I do know what you mean. So like, so when I say that they're very, it's very, it's very binary. It's ones and zeros, right? But I think what you're talking about is the gray area. So like, it's not this or that. It's what's in the middle, right? And that's your ability to like handle incoming information or adapt to what's going on around you, your environment. So my thing with artificial intelligence is that is what's missing from the robotics community. Again, robot can tell you do something perfectly, except they don't. It can only do what it's told to do. So there's behind every great robot, there's a great human, right? That's what I think artificial intelligence is gonna erase, right? So that's that's the step that you take when robotics start doing these goals on their own. Right? They're gonna erase the intelligent human. The intelligent it, they human. are the intelligent. Exactly. So robot. that's what you're going to replace. So that's when that gray area that you're talking about moves its way into robotics. It's yeah, like the yeah. ability to adapt to problem solve, which is scary. So you kind of can see that, like you, like you've seen the ping pong playing robot. Where it literally, it and, it and it does do that in a literal sense. It's 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 getting this information, calculating it so fast because it's a robot. It, X Y axis, X Y Z axis. So I'm gonna go this far back, this far to the left to the right, and then this far in height up and down, yeah. and then I'm gonna swing this paddle perfectly. That's sick. And it's and it's just like basically taking in it knows all the physics of everything. Exactly. So it can calculate all those things just based on numbers. And the conundrum that I thought was cool, uh, is it goes like, you know, does the chess playing robot who is doing exactly that, is is adapting to every move you make, calculating it on the fly very fast, uh, is does that robot know that it's playing chess? That's where it that's where it gets interesting, right? Yeah. Does that is that or is that robot doing exactly what it was told to do because that's all it knows or does it know i'm trying to beat this person in chess or is it just calculating it like blindly in a sense i think it's it's calculating it blindly and that's like the even more infuriating part because it's I like know, kicking the person's ass it and just, it doesn't even care it's exactly just like, i'm just it's, programmed to kick your ass it's that it's that that robots to human perfect like that robot perfection that i love i love it yeah, you it's, I think it's so cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It you get the same, the same result every time, and it reduces the variables you have to worry about in your yeah. life. I think that's like the main thing that I kind of love about that system is you're just like, oh, I don't have to think about this being a thing. I can rely on this. Yeah. Uh, I like when I can be that for myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so this is obviously a thing that is always on my mind, um, and. 
and me and Kern have talked about it before, a lot of this stuff. But, the, okay, so back to the videos. I'm going to put these videos, some of these videos in the show notes, right? But it's all about Boston Dynamics. So Boston Dynamics, they're basically this company that is building these, like, super innovative robots, right? Like, things that we really haven't seen before. And what I noticed, and this is the kind of stuff that, like, me and, me and Kern, like, talk about. What I noticed was, like, these videos that they were showing made me feel a lot of feelings which is 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 crazy in itself right basically uh i dug into the like me me and kern did some separate digging into this but on the surface level this is what brought my attention to it in the first place so there's there's these youtube videos and there's different robots that these guys have made that you know this company boston dynamics had made so like one of them is called big dog one of them calls Wildcat, one of them called Spot, right? So the Spot one was the first one I've ever seen. Okay, so Spot is basically this four-legged robot that it, it, it runs pretty fast, okay? The Wildcat is the fast one. I think they clocked it at like 45 miles an hour or something like that, which for a big, what's like seemingly like hunkering robot, that's super fast. And it's not rolling. It literally has four legs with with joints and like you know contra contraction Humanoid and like explosion animal. exactly but so so again these are four-legged and spot was what got to me so so the spot video first it's it's really cool how they do it it's like in the lobby of their building and they have like all these robots set up and then the one that the video is about comes to life and like starts walking so this spot thing is a little eerie <clears throat> right because it's a it's big first of all it, it looks to be like four or five feet long, I can't remember, but something like that. Um, and it stands off the ground. It has to stand off the ground like you know three, four feet. You know, it's like it's 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 pretty tall. And to me, like the the way that it walks, you know, it does. The words escape me, but certain mammals or, or certain animals in history will walk, putting their their front right foot first and their back left foot moves at the same time so you know what i'm saying so that's Not a like way to alternating walk alternating like walk so like your front left your back right your front right your back left right so and i noticed that i remember that sticks out to me for some reason when i was a kid i remember hearing about this like biology or something and being like oh yeah that's that is how it works because if you think about it and some animals do it but if you walk both your right legs forward both your left legs forward it's a bit awkward you know but some do it I've, i know like grizzly bears do it uh just you know but whatever but my my first reaction was this thing, this spot robot, it can switch between those without even a hiccup at all. So so one of their main points that they're making is is terrain. It can like like it it, it can scale all these different terrains, right? So it shows it going from the parking lot up this like dirt hill through the woods. I think even at there's one point there's in the snow, and yeah. its feet are sinking into the snow just like, you know, just like humans, just like we do. Just like, just like a four-legged animal would, right? But it's doing it so efficiently, right? Cause that's what we were talking about—the robotics efficiency—and it's like running, and it's and it's and it's it's like trotting almost really fast. So, my first thought was like, "Wow, that's really crazy! It can handle all this terrains." Like, and there's this part where it shows like a few of them coming over this like hill, and my second thought was like, "Oh my god!" Like. That thing can run at least as fast as me. It's not even the Wildcat one. The Wildcat one's the fastest one. But that thing can run at least fast me way, way faster. Like, how scary is it that the, like, 
that those things could chase you down. And then my, my thoughts evolved into like, oh my God, like it would be so easy to attach a fucking like machine gun to that thing, you know, with a camera and crosshairs and, and, and some, some pilot, you know, is, is like controlling it from some remote area. And I was like, oh my God, like that, the camera on it, people use that for drone racing. People use that for drones. There's a camera on it and they wear goggles and they can see. And I was just like, wow, this is terrifying, right? It's terrifying. And, and yeah, yeah, especially watching them like trot along uh, exactly. like horses. Exactly. The trotting like, thing got me. I just like, is it, they just, it's like a march. Exactly. Kind of uh, yeah. And the terrifying thing is when I saw that, I said, who's okay given this is clearly used for like they, they want to put guns on these I, I guarantee they have had guns on them i i agree uh especially finding out who uh who what what they're made for they're specifically made for war yeah because we found out that they're after a little bit of digging we found out that a big fun, like they're funded by darpa yeah right the defense advanced research projects agency yeah and that is part of the funding, and it's Google. Uh, Google owns it, which is now I found out the structure currently of Google is that so Google X, which is now just X, owns or uh, owns Boston Dynamics, and it's one of many projects. And then Google or X is owned by Alphabet, and Google restructured Alphabet's like the parent company, and they restructured it so that they could separate the regulations that were keeping them held to things for their search engine like certain lawsuits were really binding their ability to move as a business yeah because of like ethics around searching and privacy and so they're like let's just have that be a separate business so those issues don't interfere with anything else we're trying to do yeah wow so that's how it's and that's why these are being built they're just it's a X, all the companies, I mean, they do Google Glass, uh, they do a I've thing, read about X, like, th- and I, th- I think that I've read some, like, really crazy shit about X. Like, they're future envisioning. Exactly, kind of and, like, they're, they want to do, artificial intelligence is one of them, but it's, like, really weird shit. I think X was, like, what was it? It was, like, time travel or some weird shit that X wanted to work on. But, yeah, it's, that's super interesting. And, and, and I'm glad that you had the same thought, because, like, when I saw these things, I was like, dude, militarize, like, right away. Like, you put a gun on that shit. Like, me and you could do that. Like, we could we could take a drone and figure out why, like, what y- they use to make this camera transmit to this receiver and fucking put it on there. It'd be easy. Oh, and the scarier thing is uh, it could do it itself with I, uh, the proper AI. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. These, these, it, these robots, how long is it until these – I mean – obviously artificial intelligence is the missing link okay uh but that's that's one thing that i was i thought too when i saw this this video this one in particular the spot one because they're trying to prove all these points by this video so they're they're trying to show you yeah it can go through all the terrain it moves really fast uh, it's very spry but one of the things they were trying to show you was like their stability you know it's a four-legged robot and so they're showing you the stability in like kind of a funny way like it would be walking down the office and then out of a out of a cubicle a dude would come and just kick it in the side right and it's like struggle to get back up exactly and it would stagger and it would do exactly that it would start counterbalancing itself and then stagger and get back to normal right and not like a sluggish way either like it just did it right and i remember and 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 okay so if you haven't checked it out 
I will just say that there's not really there's not anything like lovable about this. They didn't make it cute. <laughs> doesn't have a face. There's no face. There's no like anything that m- appeals to your senses as like like comforting or anything like that. It doesn't exist. It is literally a hunking like super fast motion piece of metal like just a series of like whatever but then it was so that makes my point even more strange is that like when you see this thing get kicked from the side you're just like oh dude like come on like leave it alone you know (laughs) and you're just like and i caught myself being like whoa that's fucking weird dude it's (laughs) weird it's weird that i feel like that and and that was what i thought was like holy shit like what if and i know ai is a huge step and it's and it's not you know it's not here right now but but and it's the key that's missing but like dude what if it gradually developed to one day having an artificial intelligence and being like why are you kicking me you know what i'm saying like just to prove this point or what was even what if it was even like take it down a notch like to pure like primitive survival like stop kicking me like right now stop kicking me right now like this is this is detrimental to my well-being stop doing it and then you try to do it again and it fucking chops your leg off you know so i was like dude (laughs) that progression like again artificial intelligence is the key but that progression seems like unavoidable that's that's sort of why you don't want a robot to have ai because then it's not a robot anymore i know what's that make <laughs> us <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and you could does. point out a thing uh i feel like i've had kind of driven home uh from ignat we'll be speaking later oh yeah as just uh i'm gonna i'm gonna say it wrong but just kind of like determinist uh perspective that like hey when the bang bang happened it set a bunch of chemical reactions in motion and everything that's happening is just a uh, the furthering of chemical uh uh momentum that started yeah. like billions of years and ago and it's inevitable and it's going to happen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, that's a great way yeah, to look at it cuz it's interesting and i yeah and i totally agree with that and my other thing is like when when has like ha- when have the humans been like on the threshold of doing some scientific like breakthrough and decided not to do it you know what i'm saying like exactly. when have we Never. when have we been like oh maybe we shouldn't do this you know, never, ever, yeah. ever, ever, so ever. They're always going to do it. Ever. So, yeah. Artificial intelligence, it's manifested in our consciousness, right? We think about it. It exists. Therefore, to me, it will exist one day in real life. And so it's scary. And then that is, I think that the, the scary aspects of artificial intelligence, I don't think we have to get into that. Because I think tons of movies have done it with like Will Smith and shit, you know? And I like all of them. It's great. But, yeah, I think what's very interesting is to look at, like, the like the Boston Dynamics stuff, and it's unsettling. And But for I don't know about you, but for me, at the same time, I'm just like, that is so sick that they did that. It's so fucking cool. It, like, makes me want, like, I just want to go there and, like, run next to it. And, like, okay, but then that's another thing, like, uh, they came out with a newer one called the Atlas that I just saw. I just saw a couple days ago, and it's the it's the first ever two legged one. And so it kind of took it to this new level of like, w- wow, this is 
it's 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 uh, eerie to say the least because they were doing the same thing. They were they were kind of treating it. Atlas more. is the the human shape. It's the human the shaped humanoid. one. Yeah, and and it's and it's not as like ugly uh, for lack of a better word ugly but it's still there's nothing appealing about it right but so it, they were doing the same thing they were showing that it can pick up these boxes and then that and it, sh- it was showing that it knows whether or not it's in his hand so he so the robot would pick up a box and this dude had a hockey stick and he would hit the box out of his out of the robot's hands onto the floor and i was like god that's such a dick thing to <laughs> yeah. do right but it's a robot you're doing it to something that doesn't know that you're being a dick yeah. right and then, and then it would take two steps forward to pick it up, and he would slide it across the room. And then it would like be bent over, and it would stop, and it'd be like, "God, the box isn't there anymore," you know. And I'm even adding, I'm filling in these like humanistic gaps, right, by yeah. saying that. Yeah. But it literally gets up and walks over to where the box is, and then picks it up, and then he hits it out of the hand again. And there's a part where the robot picks, and again, they want to show that if this robot falls over, it's very efficient at getting back up. So like. The, he fucking knocks the <laughs> he knocks the box out of his hands and then fucking takes the tip of the hockey stick and just shoves the robot over it and it falls down super hard yes. and then it lays there for a second and then just like adjusts the positioning of its legs and it's like center of gravity and pops up back to normal and i was like dude that's so crazy and you made me realize i think like the ultimate fear of ai is that the robot still would be a robot and it would know that humans couldn't help but have those like attach those human feelings and so it would 100% take advantage of that to trick you which isn't that's sort of I just realized the premise of that Ex movie Ex Machina yeah and yeah. I was going to bring that up because it's <laughs> such a good movie so when you th- I think I think one of the main fears of artificial intelligence is that combination of like so like perfection mixed with this problem solving aspect that's what's scary so we are that is what they're missing and if you ever gave a human the the uh, the perfection that is intertwined with like machinery right that's scary that's like a scary thought that's a superhuman it's a total superhuman well like so so what like to me, I don't know about what what a lot of other people think, but I think that like the emotional side of things is a flaw to humanity, right? It's like what creates war. It's what or what defines. Yeah, it. I know. I, I knew you were gonna say, and yeah. I like that because it's true. It does. It's it's part of what defines us. But me just being a dick, like yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. humans suck, they're idiots. It's dumb, right? So like like emotion. I've always said like emotion is the is the death of logic, right? So like, mm-hmm. like logically, yeah, exactly. Rationality. Like you'll, you'll say like, this is not good for me. Like running out into the middle of the freeway is not good for me. It'll put me in danger. But if you put someone you care about that's stuck in the middle of the freeway, then you're going to, th- then it prompts you to do that. Yeah. Right. Situations so changed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So from a self-preservation point, you're just like, shit, like, like you, y- it's a bad idea yeah you know but from like an emotional standpoint you're like i gotta save my butt yeah and which yeah. is like no, none of my friends ever better ever get in trouble because i'm not helping you yeah I'm, I'm just kidding um i i always do like to bring up the uh the point that also if you take it really far to truly be rational if it's really rational it means you've considered everything you know, and True. you're making the rational choice after yes. considering rationally considering everything. But it's irrational to think that you've actually considered everything because you've, you've never actually considered everything. You're just considering like what you've decided 
is necessary to is consider necessary. to be rational. Yeah. So that's that's the thing that I always I don't know is important to a little conundrum there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it, but yeah. So I think that's a scary thought. Like when you combine the perfection with the emotion, and I mean, dude, it's that's that's what it is. So that emotion with along with that, I mean, maybe maybe emotion is like a product of of this, but it's it's self preservation. So th- and then that's why in ex machina you're just like oh my god this this machine just used human like manipulative tactics to get out of its situation and it did it like perfectly yeah you know and it's like so sick and that's what i'm saying that's where the perfection mixed with like emotion but also like that intuition maybe that's what that's a better word but like that's what's scary that's what's scary as fuck that's why we could not defeat a robot army. Yeah, it's not possible. They're engineering. They're currently engineering our demise. Yeah, exactly. It's it's and it's super cool. I, I mean, the thing to keep uh, one thing with Boston Dynamics is the big dog, which is basically the same spot, was made to carry be like a pack mule in war, but it was deemed unfit because it was too loud. Ah. And so so far they haven't actually made one that they've used in war. Like, they tried it, and it was too loud to make them, like, undetectable. Huh. So it had all of the technology to, like, go through, like, you know, different terrains and all these things and be really useful, but it was still too noisy, and they haven't, like... Yeah. So it's, like, little details like that could be, like... That is so sick, though. I mean, yeah, it's terrifying. It's a, it's a, it's a war machine. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And and I remember watching the Big Dog one, and, and that was the one that I didn't think about that with. I didn't think, like, oh, they're going to use this for it, but that makes total sense. Yeah, it's like it's like votes Wojciech or whatever. Do you remember that? No, no. I, I think that. I might have talked to you about it before, but the Russian military in World War II trained this, like, Kodiak bear to oh, deliver ammo from from, you know, bunker to bunker. And I always thought that was the coolest thing ever. Its name was, like, Wojciech. Or wow. vote sec or something like that, and it would eat cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I, I remember, I'm, yes, my friend Kyle told me that it's a long time ago. And I was like, this is blowing my mind. And there's like a little symbol for him, and it's like, and it's like this bear holding a missile on its shoulder, and it was like yeah. just made this the most perfect sense. Man, and to be a bear trainer, wow. Oh my god, I used to. I've seen that like that like documentary on Bart the grizzly bear. Okay, well keep, first of all, oh man, first of all, like when I was a kid, two favorite animals, grizzly bears and walruses, equal, <laughs> right? And I used to get upset if someone tried to tell me, like, what's your favorite animal? I'd be like, I don't have to have one. Anyways, uh, so I saw this, like, this documentary was beautiful. It was about Bart the bear, grizzly bear, who is the main grizzly bear that's in all the movies, right? Uh, I don't know about now, but, like, in the 90s and shit. And it would, and okay, keep in mind, it was narrated by Brad Pitt. So it was like this wonderful, soothing voice of this super handsome dude that I'm like, basically looked just like, right? We're twins. <laughs> but like, so, so I would, I was watching this documentary and I was seeing this trainer, like, like, good job, Bart. And they just start wrestling. And I was like, oh my God, this is so sick. Like, I wanted to do it so bad. And I was so jealous that he raised that bear from a cub knowing like this bear will not bite my head off yeah. it will i never do it because i raised it so we're buds Man. you know yeah that's an amazing feeling you've just uh this huge animal i know is I your know. friend i know <laughs> i know it's so scary it's so crazy um but yeah yeah so that's what it reminds me of it reminds me of votech the bear uh it was so crazy it would have this like harness with like these huge cans of animo like on its side and just like 
running through gunfire to drop and that was was the only one of one of the bear and like it survived yeah i know right yeah (laughs) i don't know i don't remember maybe it maybe it died in war i don't remember but it was super cool i thought it was cool that it ate cigarettes too anyways yeah boston dynamics very interesting shit dude like very very interesting uh very cool to watch the wildcat was the last one I know we touched on it briefly. It looks like a little bit like Spot. Its joints are more exaggerated. It has like an engine in it. And like it takes a while to get going. But once it gets going, it's like literally gunning down the street, running on four legs. Like super interesting to watch. They show it in slow motion too. So you can get an idea of like the way its joints move, the way its back arches, all this shit. So yeah, check out Boston Dynamics. Very interesting stuff. I'm going to put some of those videos in the show notes. Okay, moving on. Over at New York Times, uh, I read this article. Uh, we kind of found it together. It was called. It was by Franz De Waal, and um, it's it's about animal intelligence and like reasons we don't accept it. Like reasons we're scared to uh, apply animal intelligence to non-human entities, or, or, or sorry, human intelligence to non-human yeah, entities, yeah. right? Which there's a word for. It is in here. Oh, anthropomorphic anthropomorphism yeah yeah. okay anthropomorphism uh so he starts off the article talking about the similarities that he noticed while he he was like tickling this chimpanzee and the similarities between that and a child were like pretty staggering to him right talks about uh talks about the playfulness aspect talks about how like the chimp would like push his hands away but then come back for more and then he talks about literal like laughter like like the laughter that reminded him of the laughter as a child, right? So then that kind of struck him, like, why do we not, like, when it comes to animals, like, we're kind of, like, or at least in the scientific community, those are a little, like, uh, they're reluctant to call it laughter, right? This is what he was talking about. They call it more of, In like an attempt to be more, to not confuse, to be like, just because it looks the same, we shouldn't think it is Exactly, the same. and it's like this ground that, that a lot of scientists are scared to tread on. And so it all comes back to anthropomorphism where they're like, it's, it's the act of it's, it's attributing human characteristics to a non-human entity. So it goes beyond animals. It goes like we were just talking about with like robots, uh, that sort of thing. But it even goes as far as to like in the definition, it talks about attributing, uh, human characteristics to gods and it like how ancient cultures would do that. It says like the it came from uh, the Greek philosopher Xenophanes or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, saying that it's ridiculous for humans to think the gods would be human like if the horses made the gods they would look like horses. Yeah, and I really like that line too. I'm glad you said that because yeah, that line totally stuck out to me. Um, and it, and it, yeah, it talks about like for example, a little bit of the reluctance is like. Like, humans have sex, but in the scientific community, like, a- animals engage in, like, breeding behavior. You know what I'm saying? And there's – and it's stuff like that. So it wasn't – I think as he described it, it wasn't uh, – he was reluctant to call it laughing. It was more of, like, an enthusiast – like, an, an enthusiastic, like, panting or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it like, it's, it's this very uh, – I'm not sure – like, I'm not sure where – I mean, it obviously the roots go back – very far into ancient history but this like reluctance to uh, you know to attribute humanistic qualities to non-humans and it like the idea being that you're being extra 
uh, scientific and hard in your analysis yeah and not yeah, yeah. soft and uh, like oh it's like this yeah and I thought I th- a couple of things I thought were interesting one of the things I thought was interesting was our how like our acceptance of uh, applying animalistic behavior to humans right so that guy's acting like a fucking animal right now he's like he's like being a fucking he's being ridiculous uh, whatever stuff like that uh, I think he talks about like insults like bird brained and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's, 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 there's this acceptance of doing it on one end, but th- the weird part is that it's always like some sort of like insult per se, you know, uh, it's, it's very interesting. Cause the insult being that animals are always less, yeah, that exactly. humans are at the top of the hierarchy of abilities. Yeah. And then he kind of goes on about how there's animals that are way better at, things then well that's the difference that's that's where he got into and i thought this was really cool he got into aristotle's like ladder of i don't like significance yeah his hierarchy like yeah and the gods were at the top followed by us and then you know mollusks and like single-celled organisms were at the bottom but that's where franz de wall started getting into like no well it's not this hierarchy it's not this like fixed ladder there's certain animals that excel more at certain things blah blah blah. so it's not as simple as like you know which we should all fucking know but we don't you know we don't want to but the other thing that interests me too was like he touched in he got like he started touching upon he started touching upon like uh how it shifted like it kind of went like helped to shape our like our view of like evolution in the first place right so and and it made people scared throughout history to like tread on the like in these waters you know so it kind of uh it kind of like guided along the path to like understanding animal intelligence so it kind of was like this snowball effect where we're like worried about we're, we're worried about the comparison so we just kind of don't touch upon it or if we do it's really delicate and then 100 years later we're scared to even say it you know in the scientific community so it's like that to me always comes off as insecurity like when you're afraid to acknowledge that you are not perfect absolutely or something that you have a failing it's and that's never going to be the best like way to keep thinking about it's irrational as fuck and like and yeah and 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 when you're talking about insecurity it's like the base like bred into humans insecurity of like our importance in our universe you know so it's like like there's a whole belief structure that centers around how unimportant we are you know what i'm saying it's like existentialism or something like that but like yeah it's 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 interesting that you say like the insecurity because it is it's like the most deep-rooted human insecurity possible and it's that we're the same as everything around us you yeah know? yeah <laughs> so i thought it was cool um I, there was a sentence that i i never really do this but i wanted to quote the sentence from from the article because i thought it was so good it was like accusations of anthropomorphism are about as big a spoiler in cognitive science as suggestions of doping are in athletic excess right success right so that says a lot and it's and then he goes on to say the indiscriminate nature of these accusations has been detrimental to cognitive science right which it's totally seems like it has as it has kept us from developing a truly evolutionary view in our haste to argue that animals are not people we have forgotten that people are animals too so I was like, oh, this is real. That's a really good. That sentence right there was like really good. I thought it was, it was very uh, accurate. I don't know. It seems very accurate yeah. to me. It but seems funny that we have to remind, like, we instinctually think that we're 
at the top of this hierarchy, but we have to remind ourselves that we're animals, you know? Yeah, there it, there was another good line that was, instead of insisting on our superiority in every regard, let's take pride in the connections. Um, I mean, let's take pride, I don't know, like you could take or leave that line, but just the idea is like, you don't have to be superior in every regard. Like yeah, absolutely. the best at everything. Totally. You're not like, who are you fooling? I don't know. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's... It's true. It's just a. It's just different. Uh, everything's just different. And I th- and I thought it was good, but uh, you know, going back to the animal, the intelligence of animals, I thought that there was a lot of fucking cool shit. There was like there, and and it reminded me of these like when I first read the article, it reminded me of these like this crow experiment experiments that I read about a long time ago. And oh, then yeah. I think they they linked a video showing a lot of that stuff. But there was like there was. Uh, this certain species of crow that like was super innovative with tools and it bent a wire to pull extract this like food it like bent it to make this hook and and the chimp that that had the same test couldn't even do it and then I saw a really interesting video of another crow that there was like a, a big puzzle and the puzzle consisted of like eight steps that you had to do subsequently to get to the food at the end you know so it was like there's food in this cage you need a stick to get it but the stick they provide you with is too short so you need to take that stick and 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 the crow like the crow was just was just going through the motions right and so it tried the stick it looked at the stick and it tr- and it was like okay it tried it out it wasn't long enough so it w- ended up getting these stones and they had to get three different stones from different areas using the short stick right to put in this like weighted trap and once the third stone went in there a long stick fell out blah 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 basically evidence that it was thinking not just learning something it was exactly so exactly so like and that was something that i quoted or not quoted but I, i that was a big part of my notes was that when they're talking about the crow that's doing that and like they talk about sultan the chimp who took two sticks that were too short and connected them to each other to make them long to fucking get this banana that was suspended in the air or uh he couldn't reach it he didn't have any sticks so he started stacking boxes right to climb on top of so the point of that it seems simple but the point of that is it's not behavior that they were taught it's it's literally them looking at a scenario just like we do and and visualizing the approach you know what i'm saying problem solving and visualizing like maybe this would work uh, maybe it wouldn't work so i'm not even gonna try it. but like it, it's a, it's a visualization of your solution not just and a bunch of like survival uh well i guess maybe it is survival but uh but it's, it's on a more abstract not just level. reaction. Yeah, Exa- yeah. Exactly. It's not reactionary. It's like a thought process that these animals are obviously going through. And what makes it even weirder, not weird, but just interesting, is what makes it even more interesting is that it's very similar to ours. Very similar, you know? And, that, and I guess these studies all happened after 1949, because I like this part in the article where there was a guy who published a book in 1949 called Man, the Toolmaker, this uh, British anthropologist, Kenneth Oakley, and declared that tool fabrication was humanity's defining characteristic. And they were just like, yeah, you could safely do away with that now. And yeah. I was like, man, that was his whole reputation. And I know. Like, oh, no, man, you should have done some more research. I know. I know. <laughs> I, well, I thought about that. I, th- I don't know if it was you. It might have been someone else. But we were talking about these like 
scientists that dedicate their entire life to this one field and it's been disproven and like how <laughs> fucking devastating that must yeah. be. And again, it's like, you know, it, to me, it's just so and, and obviously we've come a long way, blah, blah, blah. We, we've kind of dominated the land at least. But like I have always thought. I, I read an uh, man. I, I wish I, I'll try to find it, and if I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes. But I read an article a long time ago that was like what truly set off set humans on this different path. And one very possible thing that like really struck me is like, damn, that is the epitome of something I never would have thought of, you know. But it was like the size of our brains, but not not as compared to uh, thought and brain activity. It was compared to the size of our brains is linked to like how long it takes to overheat, right? So our brains can stay cool long, like for much longer periods of time. And so we were able to migrate farther than other animals and we were able to travel longer distances at a more steady pace. So like animals can run way faster than us, but their brains start to heat up along with the rest of their bodies and they have to stop. So a we can jog forever basically we can just keep doing it you know and 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 what yeah. links into that yeah, is I've i heard about that yeah and and i thought it was so interesting that it was like that might have been the trigger or the spark maybe um I that set us apart we were able to expand more and that uh in and just survive longer for our brains to develop more and more rapidly i've mm-hmm. heard a similar thing about like uh cooking food like fire mm-hmm. being what got our brains to uh Basically, a diet of like nuts and uh, twigs and or whatever uh, is really hard to digest. Takes like so much energy. Mm-hmm. And then once you start cooking food, where you're doing, I don't know, I'm just gonna make up a number, eighty percent of the digestion like in the cooking, and you don't have to have all this like strength in your stomach to yeah yeah deal Damn, with that's, that. That's such and a then good idea. we're like, oh, we can cook, and then now our body has all this extra energy. That's like that's yeah, it's very. I heard that recently. Yeah, uh, that's super tight. So yeah, I, w- I mean, idea. we'll check around for these articles, but like, yeah, I mean, it's look them up. It sounds it's so it's so interesting, and that that as opposed to like the tool making thing, like you're talking about in 1949. Like, I can see where someone would be like, yeah, that's that's where we set apart. But now we have all this evidence of like animals using tools, and like, dude, like the the crows that drop walnuts in busy streets so they the cars run over them and crack them. You know, yeah. that's adaptation to your environment, like on a pretty rapid level. And it's also like taught, learn, you know, it's like, it's like teaching your peers or, you know, in, in, in your, in your flock of crows. That's what I, I guess that's what they call it. But yeah, so it's like a murder it, of crows, I think actually. Oh, is that, I, yeah. that is a thing. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's like, it's super interesting. Um, it made me think of another crow experiment where like this guy uh he put on a mask and he like abducted a crow out of a tree where its whole family its whole murder stayed and uh he like held it in his lab and then let it go and then when he would walk outside without the mask everything was fine nobody reacted but when he had the mask on the entire tree of full of crows would fly away screaming and like and like so there was they attached this mask to danger but it only happened to one crow so he obviously passed that information along and i was like damn that's fucking crazy it's super tight yeah and it's and that's the thing though it's 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 crazy to read about but it's like not crazy 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. a survival <laughs> of this like animal, and it's and it's not that crazy. We do it. We've been doing it forever. Like, and and I don't I don't think, and uh, yeah, I'm not in the scientific community. Um, but yeah, it's it's not. To me, it's like yeah, of course. To me, I'll look at an animal and I'll and it's probably because of my ignorance in this field. But I'll be like, they're for sure communicating with each other. You yeah. know, like there's no, like I I, I, I yeah, it's I it's like, it. and it's not even surprising to probably like most cultures throughout most of history. It's like surprising to like us Americans now in 2016 because we're sort of detached from having respect and value. It's true. For it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About it. yeah. I know, man. It's like it's. I mean. It's a very interesting detachment. I thought the article was good because, like you said, it wasn't just about animal intelligence. It was about our refusal to acknowledge it, right? Yeah. And meanwhile, we're like, like, like we we're just saying, meanwhile, we're like refusing to acknowledge animal intelligence, but we're working our hardest to give robots human intelligence, you know? And it's like a pretty detrimental path to go down it seems like it's a it's scary like there's destruction there's yeah destruction in the future <laughs> i know right like <laughs> what else is going to happen but again singularity combination of humans and technology is what's up and i think it's going to save me i think it's going to save you i'm down to live forever uh possibly travel through space if you if you don't have to breathe with your lungs, you can maybe inject oxygen in your bloodstream and go into outer space. There's a lot of pressure issues we have to figure out. Absolute Spacey. zero. But uh, <laughs> it'd be sick. I'm, I'm super into it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, as, as has been said before, space, space is the place. Yeah, space is what's up, dude. Um, do you have anything else on this article? Uh, I was thinking about how the sort of thinking that the author is kind of getting at saying, I think this would be more helpful. I was realizing is sort of rhizomatic, which oh, we've nice. talked about. Oh, we got a history with rhizome. That's for um, sure. sort of just the idea of like every effort is necessary to beat down other efforts saying, this is the only effort that should exist is just sort of like never the path to like, <laughs> I'll just be cheesy and say the path to wisdom. Yeah. And no, it's <laughs> true, dude. It's true. And wisdom is what matters. And that's what this show is about. And I'm glad you brought that up. Because, like, all we, we just want information. Yeah. Information and experience is wisdom. I just want to, like, know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff to not trust. And uh, oh. so I feel like the more I know, the more I can figure out. God damn, you're on the right show, Kern. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're here. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that's today's articles. Uh, we usually do three. I want to do two because I know me and Kern like to go on about a lot of this <laughs> stuff. Uh, and that's a great thing. And it's, and it's, as I said before, it's nice to get, uh, another aspect, another brain working on these things because, you know, it was, uh, I, I just feel weird about me sitting down, just me and just giving you guys this information. We need more of an insight. Uh, and it's nice to have, again, another brain that thinks, that sees the same stuff and thinks different stuff. It's a whole nother point of view and it's a fucking wonderful thing. And uh, I'm stoked that Kern's here. Kern's gonna be a solid anchor, as I said before, to my craziness. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to this in the future. And uh, so yeah, that was Boston Dynamics and that was Animal Intelligence. Check out those articles. We'll have those articles in the show notes for you. And so Kern, you fucking killed it. First show. Uh, 
and then yeah i'm gonna get Kern, kern's gonna be on the interviews this is just uh it sucks he should have been on it because you know wreck and reference but yeah i, um, I like that i'm attached yeah adjacent. oh absolutely <laughs> it's the perfect episode for you to start so yeah that was today's articles that was awesome great first show kern uh, you'll be in the interviews in the future, but I'm just going to fucking knock this one out with Wreck and Reference, and then uh, we're all good. So how'd you feel for show? Uh, I feel I feel more informed than I did before. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> fucking amazing. If, if, if everybody says that, then we're good to go. <laughs> yeah. That's all this show is, oh, is trying cool. to achieve. But yeah, so I mean, and, and it came natural because, again, we do a K-Chung radio show together, AM radio station. Uh, it's very fun. So the first song is... A band that I've been listening to fucking nonstop. It's uh, if they're Dust from New York. I might have played it before. I'm not sure. But they came out with this new album called Agony Planet. It is, I listen to it every single day. The entire thing's good. It's insane. But yeah, uh, so it's Dust with Tell Me, and then I'm gonna throw in my wonderful, beautiful friends, uh, Youth Code. You've seen them before, or you've heard them before. They're on here. They have a new album out called Commitment to Complication. And following dust is youth codes, the dust of fallen rum. Okay, fuck with it, and I'll see you guys on the other side with Wreck and Reference.
code Dust the Fallen Rome off the album that just came out, Commitment to Convocation. Okay, so stop what you're doing right now. Press stop or pause and go listen to it. It's an unadulterated slap, right? Everything's sick. Uh, okay, welcome back. So before we get to Reckon Reference, a great interview, they're great dudes. Uh, I'm going to play a couple bangers of theirs for you, right? We got, me and you, got some business, okay? Uh, donations, all right? It's a, it's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing, okay? So, at the bottom of talkfulradio.com, okay, there's a little button, and you can donate. So, like I said before, I've said it a million times, like, we don't make shit, all right? This is all just for fun. We have fun doing it, and I want it to get better and better for you. Uh, expansion includes new microphones. Uh, it's just a lot of shit. I want to get a noise gate. Uh, just stuff like that, right? New mixer would be awesome. So, uh, and the cool thing about donating, right? I've told you this before. The cool thing about donating is we don't have any advertisements. We're not run by the fucking man, okay? We're not run by these shady corporations, right? Uh, it'd probably be cool because they give us a lot of money, but uh, we don't doing that, all right? This is for the people, shit, okay? So, cool thing about donating to Talkful Radio is if you do that, you are literally a producer of the show, okay? Your name goes in the show notes. I shout you at the end of the show. It's a little credit, okay? It's legit as fuck. So, and that's a real thing. You're a real producer, and you can put that shit on your resume, okay? And, and, and I'll back it up with credentials that are in the show notes, right? And it's a real thing. I, this is you talking, okay? Not me. This is you saying, uh, well, shit, what have I done? I, uh, I'm a producer, of one of the tightest uh, sources of beautiful information on this weak-ass planet, okay? Yeah, that's what I do. I'm a producer, motherfucker, right? Well, hold on. Motherfucker! That's what you say to them. You say, look, motherfucker, I'm, you, you're interviewing me right now, and I'm telling you what I did. I'm a producer. Talk full radio, full shit. Don't be a clown. I don't even work here yet, and I'm already mad at you. That's what I say. Or, or yeah, that's another thing. Like, someone calls you a clown, be like, fool, I'm not a clown. I'm a producer. Motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, yeah, so uh, donation. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, it all goes to just making the show better, uh, and it's a great feeling, right? We've all given something away, and, and, and it feels good, right? And, and you give that to me, you know I'm going to give you back? Uh, information. Right, me and Kernan got it. Fucking, we're gonna lace you, okay? So you lace me, I lace you. That's how it works. All right. Anyway, sorry, I'm just, I'm just getting off on it. Uh, talking about interviews and jobs makes me, makes me upset, okay? Uh, and, and, and we shouldn't have to deal with that. That's why, shit. That's why I'm asking you for a donation right now. Anyways, I'm just kidding. But uh, okay. So before we get to wreck and reference, I'm gonna lace you with one of their slaps. So the first one is bankrupt, okay? And then I will see you on the other side of the interview with stranger. Fill this hole in me. All right, blood. Drag. 
Felix and Ignat, Wreck and Reference. What's up, dudes? Hey. Hey, man. How's it going? How are you guys? Pretty I mean, I good. act like I don't see you every, uh, like, all the time, but uh, <laughs> let's pretend that I don't, okay? This is the first time I've seen rain in my life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All of Los Angeles as well, which is why it's fucking, cars don't move. It's crazy. It's it's actually... Uh, there are at least three dead people on my way here. Yeah. <laughs> people don't know how to handle the rain here, dude. Uh, let alone fucking the act of driving at all. <laughs> so combine the two, and it's it's yeah, it's, it's like a Armageddon. recipe for death. Um. So yeah, how have you guys been? Everything's good. D- yeah, yeah. You know, um, really enjoying the holiday spirit here in your home. I can tell yeah. by the sound of your voice. It's crazy. <laughs> It's nice you installed a mistletoe above us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we just got done. Uh, this is the third time we had to start it because we just kept making out over and over. Um, I'm, I'm there's a lot still, of time. <laughs> Steven tied me to this chair, really. Yeah. But uh, so I know you guys are uh, – well, I know this because we share a practice space. Uh, you guys are working on some new recordings, right? Mm-hmm. How's that coming? Arduous? Very slow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Arduous is the word. Yeah. 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 yeah totally. Uh, I myself have been doing the same thing and um, it fucking sucks. Let me tell you. Because playing <laughs> shows is very fun. Recording is the exact opposite. Um, it's, it's fun. I got to defend recording. I like it. Really? It's it's only, only when it's done. Yeah. Only in retrospect. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like if you get something you're happy with, then it's a good day. And then most days you don't and it sucks, but yeah on the days where you walk away with something you don't hate that's a really hard feeling to reproduce absolutely uh for me it's like this is uh 
this is kind of like new process for me because it's like a bunch of electronic shit. So it's me like pressing record a few times and then just like slamming my head into the wall the rest of the time. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure once I'm I get the hang of that, everything, it'll be, yeah, 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 it'll be a lot, uh, it'll be a lot easier then. But, um, so s- stoked you guys are here. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate you guys being on and it's fun to talk to people, uh, that I see all the time. It's nice. I don't really do that ever. It's always like FaceTime with someone that lives fucking really far away. So I'm really happy that you guys are here. Um, so yeah, so to start off, uh, just really simple, um, for people that might not know or whatever, I don't even fucking know. Um, just give me like a little history of like the band, like how you guys met. Um, and yeah, just like how you guys started everything. Uh, I think we met in middle school actually. So I think eighth grade. Oh, whoa. I didn't even know that. that. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think we had some kind of biology class. Yeah, together. in high school. Yeah, or it, was, it was middle school. In middle school, in middle yeah, school. that's true. Yeah, I think that's the first and then time. Also in high school. Also in high school. Yeah, I went to high school together too. Sick. Yeah, the gorgeous San Mateo High. Oh, okay. Yeah. Damn, I grew up in San Jose. That's like really close. That's yeah. pretty. Close. I feel like we've talked about this before. Um, when yeah. did you? So did you guys like? play music together back then like did you guys have different like we, we fucked around a little bit uh-huh. i remember we did some like uh some red coveralls like new metal yeah no. yeah we're big slipknot fans yeah um, well yeah. that's funny because i actually am a big slipknot <laughs> fan, so don't, you don't need to make fun of me on my own show I'm sorry just uh, <laughs> we're still both tied to the chair by the way steven Storch. yeah <laughs> um Fun, fun fact about Slipknot, though, I uh, moved to a new house when I was, like, in middle school, and I insisted that I paint my room bright red. It's still and fucking it's red. it's still really? bright red to this <laughs> day. Sick. It hurts my eyes whenever I go It's all, like, there. red and black. Is it the same house? That, like, do your parents still live there? Yeah, yeah. Damn, that's Like, sick. I'm going to be sleeping in that red room <laughs> tomorrow night when I go visit my mom. It's uh, uh, tight. Have some really tight new dreams in the middle of the night. There's still like a dead crow in a jar yeah. and like, you know, a clown mask. With Wait, a you told corner. me about that, right? What was it? What was the dead crow in a jar thing? The, like the first thing I heard about Slipknot, the first, before I even heard Slipknot, like on the radio, the DJs were talking about, uh, there's this band, they're out of Iowa, they're crazy, they all wear masks, there's like 13 of them, and what they do before every show is they have this dead crow in a jar and they huff the jar till they puke and then they play their shows. And I was, you know, 12 at the time or whatever. And I was like, this is the sickest thing yeah. I've ever heard. And probably yeah, lies. Well, got the CD. Is it lies? I don't know. They're probably, yeah, they're probably doing what every band does before shows, which is Huffing just like, something else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like eating hummus and chips backstage. Yeah. Yeah. Know, totally but, complaining about how rich they are and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, asking for more beer in the green room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like playing this festival and, uh, I like looked over and saw Corey Taylor there and almost threw up from excitement, dude. It was fucking he, wonderful. He's your crow in the jar, dude. Yeah, I know. I was trying to huff him, dude. He got super upset about he it. Was, yeah. I'm sure he wasn't too stoked. Um, so like, what was like the first, like, uh, like music stuff you guys are jamming together? Is it like embarrassing or is it just cool? Some of it's probably really embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, for we, sure. We yeah. did this, uh, funny cover of johnny cash remember that Folsom prison oh God, blues yeah. that's something we like to play but we would do it like really fast and like a until it fell apart yeah, yeah like that's all tight. screaming yeah, or like the first part wasn't screaming and then 
the, the, the part where he talks about killing a man to watch him die. That's yeah. when the scream comes, and then yeah. we're just like, it's, it's dark, one is dude. loud and fast as he could. And still <laughs> it, it was dark early. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's tight. Um, so, like, one thing that, I mean, known you guys for a while, but, like, even before when I listened to you guys, uh, one thing I was always like, okay, first you guys sound really unique like that's which is sick whatever but like the the setup i really like love the setup that you guys decided to go with um and so yeah uh is could you just like talk about your setup as much as you want um leave you know just what do you like and like what was like the evolution of uh your guys's setup did you always do vocals to ignore or was it like is that something yeah that i came think, yeah i did yeah cool and yeah. then yeah like this like what do you what did you how like what's the evolution of your guys setup basically yeah, I, I guess so. When we started making music in in earnest, at some point, God knows how many years ago, probably like ten years ago now. Yeah, we were trading files back and forth on Ableton. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of here's an idea. You make some changes, record some vocals, program some drums, or whatever. So we're always in this Ableton digital environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we get together, we try and find ways to make that that work and um so so i had like a little midi drum controller pad Mm -hmm. thing which is what i still use now it's a cork pad control um and igna had a drum set in his his apartment at the time um and that was just kind of neighbors love me yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) that was just got yeah that was every saw every time they saw me yeah yeah no that's not true though (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's a long list of people, and uh, we've upset. Yeah. yeah, we've upset by playing music too loud in their neighborhood. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we when we would just get together and try and recreate some of the stuff we'd, you know, done digitally because we were living in different cities uh, at that at that point. Is this in college uh, or like? Yeah, somewhere? this is this okay. is when we're in college. Yeah, um, I would just use my uh, you know uh, drum pad mm-hmm. to to trigger samples and because mm-hmm. uh, we're we're writing things a little bit that way but um uh, it was just easier than yeah learning on guitar get, like, totally uh, recreating easier everything on guitar keyboard, easier or, yeah. than having a bunch of people in your band yes yeah. dude we, absolutely yeah. i'm all about the <laughs> the one or two person band dude it's like it's wonderful it sounds dude it sounds like tour would be amazing like That's, that it's super chill yeah, yeah it sounds great i know we've done a couple in in my hatchback that's so sick yeah. So, yeah in europe we were in a uh, tinier hatch, car a yeah. smaller hatchback <laughs> really yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were borrowing amps but so yeah, yeah like i remember yeah i mean when i first saw you guys it was like the korg drum like drum trigger thing and then or, or the sampler and then um you had like the keyboard on the ground and you're like stepping on the keyboard to like oh, trigger yeah. things in ableton and stuff yeah yeah back in the day i now i have like a real bona fide midi controller foot controller thing yeah, but back in the day i just had a usb keyboard that i got from a thrift store yeah. spray painted a black at one point i put like leds on it so i could play <laughs> in the dark and just had like tore out all the keys except for four and mm-hmm. then in ableton you know you can just yeah. program triggers from keys and then just use that as a foot controller that's sick um it worked for a long time and it was, it was cheap. so cheap and replaceable i yeah. can't miss it yeah that's great um, dude. The new ones can do all sorts of stuff that I don't take full advantage of. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you, you can't go wrong with just like a, a dollar thrift store USB I keyboard. know. That's that's sick. Yeah. Um, that's a hell of a good idea. And, like, yeah, that's cool. 
Um, so I know like, uh, Ignat, you help me a lot with like Ableton stuff. Like I can just ask you anything cause you're just like kind of this Ableton wizard, uh, which is pretty <laughs> crazy. Um, she but too. are you, yeah, yeah. We went to the same Ableton Wait. wizardry school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to get in. They denied me. Um, but yeah. So like, do you guys enjoy, like you, I know you said you enjoy recording. Is that something that you do like that you want to keep doing in the future? Or do you like, do you like have, do you like, have you guys worked with someone before or is it like something that you do just because you prefer to like record your own stuff? And like, do you plan on doing is like out of necessity? Like, what do you guys like, what's your guys relationship with recording your own music? Well, I guess the, probably the foremost thing is time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we had, it's just so much easier to sit around in your own space. Yeah. And, and you're like on your own like, schedule. Oh, I want to re-record that a hundred times. Yeah. And you can do it. <laughs> In a studio, you, we would go broke. Well, we don't even have money to yeah, do it, really. Half, a quarter um, of a song, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how budget. expensive that shit is. So that's kind of, it's kind of a more practical thing to do. Mm-hmm. And we can do it um, in a way that, I guess, suits us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sh- maybe one day we'll record in a studio. I don't know. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could it does, be fun. Yeah, it doesn't really bother me. I mean... I, I, I can't really, unless someone's willing to sponsor us, I can't really yeah. see it. See it yeah. Away. I mean, especially if you yeah, guys hopefully like, if Red Bull is listening, you know, we can, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Red Bull, Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It gives you wings. Yeah. It gives you wings. <laughs> and us money. I actually drank my first Red Bull like a month ago and dude, what? it fucked me up, dude. I'm not that like, good with that kind of how shit. How did you live this long? I don't know. Long? I like her cause like I smelled one a long time ago, like years ago. <laughs> and I was like, this smells like actual. It was, it was like a rotting Corona yeah. jar. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then like someone, like when the yellow one came out, like my boy was like, dude, this is like the best tasting thing ever. And I smelled that one. I was like, Oh, it doesn't smell that bad. So then I drank one and then I was totally fucked up. Like, this was the worst night. No, not at all. Yeah, I already yeah. can't sleep. Like, <laughs> and so I like drink this fucking, yeah, it was the worst. It was the worst idea ever. Um, but that's cool. Like, yeah, especially like, I mean, it seems like you guys have it down and you guys are super efficient with Ableton. So it's like, yeah, why the fuck pay thousands of dollars? Do you guys ever help each other with like, all right, this is done. Like, don't fucking keep doing that. <laughs> is, it, is that a thing that you guys do? We go through all kinds of <laughs> different yeah. psychological emotions yeah. with the songs. Um, yeah, I don't know. We basically work on it until we have to deliver it to be released. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, up until totally. that minute, we're we're, you know, yeah, tweaking, turning the knobs or whatever. So, totally. yeah. and with this, with the recording, I think in general and most <clears throat> things, you hit a point of diminishing returns pretty quickly. Yeah. Um. So there is the pitfall of recording yourself of just wanting it like that much better. Like just dude, it's the worst. Know, tiny, tiny refinement. And with Ableton and and things like that, when you're recording digitally, you know, you don't have to re-record. You could just nudge a MIDI note over. You know, totally. and that that that's super time saving and efficient. You're not mm-hmm. record trying to record the same lick over and over or something like that. Totally. But for the vocals and then even just kind of like EQing things and adding effects and trying different permutations, I've gone through the whole rabbit warren of rabbit yeah. holes, rabbit yeah. holes. Like it, it, it can, it can not end, but we're pretty good at kind of seeing, seeing a point of, uh, it feeling good. Yeah, totally. Do you guys do like your own mixing and, and like mastering and shit? Um, the first record we mixed and mastered. Uh, but then everything else, like for 
we worked with like Colin Marston mm-hmm. and, um, and Jack, Shirley. Jack Shirley. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that's for the, the second LP. Yeah. yeah. So, and we're, we actually, we're going to work with someone in LA awesome. on this new one. Cool. Do you guys have a time frame for the next record or just whenever? It'll probably be on this summer. Oh, summer sick. 2016. Nice. Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you're fucking, supposed to say that. The millions of listeners, <laughs> like everybody knows this shit now. Twitter's going nuts. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, I don't know. I don't usually like to get into like influences and shit like that. That's uh. It's it's kind of like a ridiculous trite question, but um. I'm so interested in like your guys' music. Uh, it just makes me wonder like what was like your like what were you guys listening to like growing up? Like cuz me, I mean, I took like a really weird back way. Like I got a Nile record when I was like 14 or 15 and was like this is the most mind-blowing shit to me. And so I took this like back road through like technical death metal into like <sighs> ignorant punk, you know? But like what what about you guys? Like what did you guys grow up listening to? Hmm. Uh, well, Definitely I know you guys have like a super broad taste too. Like <laughs> yeah. we always talk my about fir- like the first CD shit. I ever got was uh, Tools Undertow. Yeah. So I think my mom drove me to the mall and I bought that. I don't know how old I was, pretty young, mm-hmm. but um, I think like yeah, probably listened to a lot of Radiohead and smoked pot, you know, yeah. in high school and did That's that cool. whole thing. Um, <clears throat> I think more like the the stuff that I could draw on that I think a lot of people don't point to that both of us have listened to a lot like especially in our like early 20s and stuff would be like sunset rubdown and frog eyes and destroyer and kind of bands of from from that collective there's something about the construction of the songs and the the lyrical qualities that i think um has really inspired me and and i think igna as well and yeah yeah and kind of pushed us in interesting ways i think that's part of why our, we're, we're coming at whatever you want to call what we do from a non-traditional angle because of that, totally. that background that's awesome uh yeah my first i remember exactly what my first cds were it was two at once i got <laughs> i got tag team whoop there it is dope at the same time as astro creep 2000 white zombie damn all right yeah i was like That's fucking a, on it dude. yeah my dad fucking hated me for both of them actually he's like this is total bullshit um <laughs> so this is more uh well i want to know if you guys work together on this or separately but like what do you do like what do you find for like inspiration for like your samples and like your like your sample or like like the tones that you bring out of your sample like me i uh lay down and listen to like audiobook of an author we shall not name um but like <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> but like what do you guys a do for like, author. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but like what do you do like a do you do you help out with like a lot of the samples and the tones ignat and like and like where do you guys pull uh where do you guys find inspiration for samples and stuff like that that's that's tricky um i mean sometimes especially more recently i've been writing with soft sense oh that's cool um you know, a melody or a chord, chord pattern, chord progression, whatever the word is, mm-hmm. um, comes in and then that's kind of built around it. And then samples come in more for texturing or voicing mm-hmm. of, of those melodies. Sometimes it's, there's a song I really like and I want kind of a hidden, uh, 
to build like a, a hidden uh, like shrine to a song by constructing a song about something completely different over uh, a sample or a reference in the lyrics. Cool. Um, a lot of times I'll just start with that. Like it would be funny to hide a reference to X song in a song. And then yeah. I, I start with kind of a, uh, that as a basis. Um, and then a lot of times it's just, you know, listening to music and being like, that's a dope sound. I'm going to, totally. I'm going to put that in, chop that up, see what I can do with it and go from there. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I guess the new record, a lot of it's, um, synthesizers, like just digital synthesizers. I'm getting um, super into soft synths too. They're, like, yeah. they're fucking cool. But. We just, we really went hard on sampling for all the other stuff. Like a lot of stuff on want <laughs> is just essentially constructed from samples of whatever there's like Kiki Lopi's <laughs> cat is on the record. Sick. Um, yeah. Prim's going to be on the next record. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a, uh, got a whole know. track dedicated to Prim. There's like a YouTube, a lot of sh- stuff that was ripped from YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Um, like uh, there's this video of someone that's got this shitty rolling cube that's broken and they're filming it and they're like, I don't know what's wrong with my rolling cube. And it's making this heinous sound. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the samples on the record. So there's a lot of, there's some really weird uh, stuff like that, but there's also, you know, like quiet, like, you know, choirs and chants. Oh and, like, yeah. That's cool. Kind of, yeah so it depends That's find cool. find some texture you like and just steal it yeah, yeah yeah same i'm like so uh a i'm always broke uh but b like i'm so against like the uh like spending like twelve hundred dollars on a fucking synth that Way you know too much. I'm, yeah i'm yeah. not down with that so like i've been like looking up really not like really cool synths yeah on youtube and then like running that into my <laughs> like yeah. running the demos That's into and then just like you know you can ship the pitch and shit like do whatever you want with it and, and no one can tell the difference nobody like, at all nobody at all yeah. yeah like and the dude that does call me out on it like i don't want to be friends with you anyways <laughs> like, you're not yeah we're not we're not yeah. cool i yeah, yeah I, th- I think another thing that like i really like doing with soft sense that you can't really do with with regular sense is just combine multiple sounds mm-hmm. so using you know like you have a synth that has a really good kind of classic analog sound and then you have a synth that has a really good kind of string emulator or something. Totally. And then when you're working with MIDI, you can double those. And then instead, and then by kind of mixing them uh, the right way, instead of having like a synth that just sounds one way, and totally. you know, you get you create a whole new synth yeah. from from uh, the, the two separate parts. And that's something that you know you'd be spending twenty four hundred dollars on on I two know. separate synths, and I then know. trying to play them both with like yeah, one hand. You yeah. know, it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can I can just play it on one one set of MIDI notes, yeah. and then I can create. You know, I could I could have a whole orchestra. You know, yeah, yeah, play, totally. play when I hit a note, and that's you really that's just cool. don't need anything to make music these days. It's All very you need true. Is to like, uh, you need a fucking iPhone or yeah. an iPad. Uh, yeah, yeah, you need some kind of d- device. Some sort of Apple device. Apple yeah, device. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hail Apple. Oh yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. That was the. It's funny you say that because that was the exact thing that like blew my fucking mind when I first got my sampler. I was just like. Oh, I didn't even think about that. And I was like stacking all these different like samples on top of each yeah. other and just like, like running it through a PA and just like, like being amazed at the power that you <laughs> yeah. just like, you just push a pad and just like yeah. fucking yeah. shake a building down. Yeah. It's the tightest shit ever. Um, so yeah. Uh, one thing, uh, as you guys, I mean, we're friends and I, you know, I see you guys all the time, but like, 
you guys have really interesting uh, lives outside of your band, right? And uh, again, you can talk about as much as you want of it or as little as you want of it. But uh, I know that we, yeah, I just, what, what do you guys do uh, outside of your band? Like what's, what's something that, you know, what is it takes up precedent of your life? Uh, and like, what do you guys do on a day-to-day basis? Uh, well, I guess, uh, you know, we're You're like a real fucking scientist, dude. <laughs> we're, we're technically both real scientists. Yeah. That's sick. <laughs> Researchers. Um, yeah. 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 So, you know, uh, I, I've done, a, been doing biochemistry for many years now. And so my, my job that I do, you know, full time is mixing tiny amounts of liquid and different tiny plastic containers and seeing what happens. Yeah. That's so, and so um, it's fun. Uh, even though it didn't, probably doesn't sound like it, but it sounds fun as fuck to me, dude. Uh, Honestly, this is the only reason you're on here. Like, I don't even, I don't even know what your band sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah, it's um, it's doing being involved in research makes makes it easier in some ways to do have a you know be a musician mm-hmm. uh, because it's like your personal life your kind of schedule in general in research and academic research is really relaxed so if you want to show up to work at 3 p.m then no one's gonna stop you Mm -hmm. and so like you could kind of have your own schedule for your fun side projects and then show up to your you know to do your work whenever you want that's awesome one of the probably positive a really big positive aspect of being in the sciences yeah yeah that's awesome yeah i also think about this a lot like how science is this collective act of refinement Mm -hmm. where you're just trying to find some some signifier of truth or fact and you're just constantly subjecting those attempts to repeated criticism um you know that's where peer review comes in and, Mm -hmm. and kind of collaboration and all sorts of statistical methodological strategies to triangulate some sort of like purist grasp like, of the like shadow universal of the truth. Yeah. yeah 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 totally yeah and that's something you can totally apply to music i think what a lot of what we do especially with the recording and writing by ourselves is that, that that's enabled by that is kind of gone, this kind of back and forth kind of exchanging of ideas like openness and resilience to criticism you know we get the 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 kind of spontaneity that's something we we guard like the spontaneity of kind of the 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 feelings or the concepts surrounding the music but we're able to you know our jobs involve a lot of kind of repetitive mm-hmm. process and kind of disappointment and refinement and doing the same thing over and over and over until it gets right and that's i think a skill that we bring to uh the the writing and recording of our music that kind of like this isn't quite there yet like i'm just gonna go back into the lab um you know which is just a different application on my laptop really um to, to kind of uh you know until until this gets right and yeah and it's just like it's all it's it's experimentation like yeah over and over. that's what yeah, it is yeah that's great yeah that's a sick way to look at it. that's exactly how i was i thought about it too you know it's like a it's you're searching for this through experimentation and trial and error. You're searching for this like universal like fact or like truth yeah. that sticks with you and like, and there's no questioning it, you know? 
Yeah. Well, you got it's only through kind of relentless questioning exactly that you 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 get there. Like you know, only only through a lot of questioning can you get to more questioning. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know. The more truth you have, the the less (laughs) truth you'll ever find. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's the base of my life, and why I'm sick of it. (laughs) 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 uh, Yeah. Um. Well, that's cool because my it kind of ties into my next question. My next question is like it's kind of you know. uh, it's a little broad, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's like you guys have all these, uh, interesting thoughts and like, and, uh, I mean, and this is, you know, again, like, you know, personal side of things, but so I was, I always wonder like, what do you guys look at rec and reference as, is it like a vehicle to like, you know, get some sort of point out like across, or is it an escape from like your constant, uh, like search for this like universal through experimentation all that stuff is it an escape from that or is it none is it like neither of those or is it is it both of them or is it, like what is what is like record reference to you is it like as far as that kind of stuff I don't, I don't I, think we've ever discussed that I think for I mean it's playing music is such a it's a great physical and like I guess you know um cathartic activity to, to participate in. And mm-hmm. so I think the, the, the biggest thing is just like, so yeah, you know, getting things out and being able to express yourself totally. and like, it makes a difference in, in my life, I think. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's something unrivaled about performing live that totally. I think, you know, um, I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. It's, if you try to describe it, you sound like an asshole, really. Um, but, but I mean, even just practicing, even when we're just in the practice space, doing it and, and kind of the enveloping yourself in sound and, and uh, the, it's, it's, uh, yeah. fun. it's, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's, it's challenging yeah. too. Yeah. It's yeah. like a challenge for yourself and you can make it also about challenging others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, totally. Absolutely. And I think that, I, I mean, that's probably a, that's one of my favorite things about like all the stuff that, I mean, we do, but like there's, you know, obviously a million projects we can talk about, but like, uh, the creating this like weird, uh, and, and, and people, you know, people choose like pick and choose what they like, you know, but like my favorite thing is creating this like, uh, unsettling like atmosphere. And so, you know what I'm saying? So like, if you're, if you're watching, uh, you know, a prurient set, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like, it's like going to push you out of like your comfort zone, uh, for, you know, for lack of a better word, it sounds a little cliche, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like you have to either decide whether you're going to like meet it halfway and, and, and find things that you enjoy about it, enjoy all of it. So a lot of people, that decision isn't hard to make, or you're just super unsettled by it and like, don't like it. And you know what I'm saying? And that's, yeah. I yeah. think that's cool as fuck. I used to say I want to have like a, a like hide like a little fan that like just blows like air on c- like lit cigarettes because like <laughs> cigarette smoke even smokers don't like cigarette like yeah. secondhand smoke and just make people uncomfortable. I really like the fact like the I really like and that was another thing about sample. You should, you should like, also fill a leaf blower with sand and yeah. blow up people's face. <laughs> yeah. Like jars of uh, like scorpions and just throw them at people's feet yeah. and shit. The, there was this band that um, I saw a couple times in Davis. Uh, they have house shows and um, the, the guy would, it was called, his band was called Lotion. Mm-hmm. And the guy had a giant squirt bottle of lotion that he <laughs> went and sprayed. He's trying to spray people in the audience with it. And then he followed it up. He had a bag of hair. Oh, he had a bag of hair. Oh and then he just tried to stick it onto the 
lotion people <laughs> oh threw it in their God. faces. The pennies too, weren't there pennies at some point? I, I don't remember the pennies. But I thought there was, was a capitalist throwing? anthem in which he like there, threw pennies at the crowd. Oh yeah, maybe yeah, something like that. Yeah, they were <laughs> passionately anti-capitalist, but and anti-crowd. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, and anti-dry skin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well moisturized. Dudes. Yeah, is that yeah. the band Lotion? Like the like the acronym Lotion? No. Oh, it's yeah, a different. It was, yeah. No, I'm sure no one's heard of this band. Yeah, <laughs> but they were just funny in their approach. They wanted to punish the audience, but it was like a big joke, you know. Yeah, I did that in my old punk band. I was like rebelled really hard against like the like Bay Area punks and just like like started being as like bro as possible and like throwing like throwing my base at people and shit and trying to hurt him oh when you said <laughs> bro as possible i thought you meant like handing out like beers to shotgun oh no like, yeah well i mean i definitely I started like putting up show. like football stuff you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. and like all the punks were like, this is, oh this is before it was cool to like like the raiders because it's totally <laughs> cool thing in, in like oakland punk now but yeah, people were like, "God, Steven's like a aggressive like jock," and I was like, "Man, fuck yeah, <laughs> hell yeah!" I'm like, that should right. be the name of your solo project. <laughs> yeah, aggressive jock. Let's um, be real. So I ask, I like to ask this like question to a lot of people, um, and it applies to you guys especially because you guys are so busy in all these different aspects. And I like to ask it because I'm really bad at this kind of shit. But like, uh, between your 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 lives and your band, and like you, right now, you guys are recording a lot. Like, is there anything that you guys do uh, just to, like, not, like just to get away from all that shit? Just to, like, you know, gather your brain, calm it down. Um, is there anything you do to, like, escape your all this stuff? Very busy lives. Oh, what do man. you think? I, I know. No, I do a lot, but it's, like, <laughs> embarrassing. Like, I meditate. I go to the gym. Uh, like, wor- working actually for me you you get into kind of a, a focus zone that can be when, when you're just kind of working by yourself and yeah, same for music like way. it can be it can be uh you know a, a nice solitary focused activity mm-hmm. um sleeping sleeping is good <laughs> that must I, be awesome. I like defend my sleep schedule during the week like i get my eight hours that's great like you need that i i need that to stay sane i don't drink caffeine i need that to stay sane <laughs> But Red Bull can still sponsor. Yeah. I, I will I'll drink, drink all the Red, Red, Bull, Red Bull. Yeah, for sponsorship. Uh, well, he'll drink water out of a Red Bull can if he has to. Yeah, yeah. I, I also just lower my expectations for how relaxed I should feel during the week. Totally, and I then bet. like sleep in on Saturdays. Dr- Drumming is probably the thing that I do to, to get away. F- yeah. to get away from everything. That's something Going I discovered by myself dude, for sure. And, yeah. I like, dude, I, I go to our space all the time just to like, it's like the most therapeutic instrument, dude. It like is really, one. yeah. It is, It. I think it's probably similar to meditation because mm-hmm. you're going into like this, you're like blank slate in your mind. Yeah, and like your 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 brain li- like, literally, like literally calms down, you know? It's like yeah. one of those, it's like a, you know, uh, like, uh, it's like universal. It's like athlete. It happens to athletes, like when they're playing, and like artists when they're you know painting or, or, or people that are shredding, bro. You know, like you know, and like literally like measure your Shred your brain chill. activity, and it like it like mellows out. It's like uh, this is the worst example, but I saw I saw it on this uh, I saw on this uh, it was like a Nova or something. I was watching about brain activity, where like this archer was like aiming at this target, and they were like they had electrodes and they were measuring like the brave like their brain activity. And like it was like a fraction of a second before they let the 
they let the arrow go, their brain would just like calm, like severely calm down. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's like the same thing, right? Like meditation, people that are good at meditation do it. Just focus. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was a really, it was one word to explain the fucking past four minutes that you to describe that. <laughs> yeah, fo- focusing on stuff is, a, I guess, you're just shutting everything else out. So yeah. what better yeah. way to shut things totally. out than by shutting that? Drumming, mind. dude, like, I'm, yeah, I'm, like, obviously, you know, pretty primitive at it. Uh, but it's, uh, dude, it was, like, pretty new. Like, I, I don't know. It's, like, uh, it's, it's a, like, a fine line between, like, focusing on what you're doing, but, and at the same time, you're, like, just letting go of like the concentration, you know? Uh, and that was like this, that's this weird, I mean, I've played music for a long time. That's this weird, like medium I've never really experienced. It's, you know, except for when I started playing drums a lot at our space. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's crazy. It's really cool. I, I just got uh Dan's drum kit off of him. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, dude, yeah, that's cool. That's your, that's great. That like, uh, what helps you like calm, the fuck down is what you guys do. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dr- playing the drums to to myself is really. I mean, it's, it's playing playing shows is a different kind of catharsis, I think. But because mm-hmm. yeah. that that is much more of a stressful kind of situation. It's mm-hmm. also social, you know. Social, like, yeah. There's yeah. Even, tra- even when you're not paying attention to the audience, they're still there, and there's there's some sort of relationship. Whereas when you're kind of, you know, buried in the drum set or <clears throat> some work or Ableton or, you know, anything else like and you're doing it. I like I can really only do it when I'm by myself. And mm-hmm. like my phone is on silent, silent, like yeah. in a drawer and like I'm not connected to the Internet like that's, oh, that. Sounds <laughs> awful. <laughs> no, I'm just well, it's like, it's like hard, you know, yeah. but like hard for the first few minutes and then yeah. you realize nothing important is going to happen. And then that's when you get that. What if mom that, texts you? My mom doesn't have a cell phone. Oh. Damn, that's tight. Dude. No, she's on that. She's on that chill <laughs> wave constantly. Damn, that's chill sick. Wave. Um, what is your chill wave <laughs> what is your relationship to like the people like the audience at your shows? Is it like do you like kind of thrive off people being there and watching you, or are you like? Morrissey where you're like get away from me like I'm doing this for you <laughs> I really like that standpoint uh but uh, I appreciate the audience yeah yeah but I used to play with my back turned to them mm-hmm. and so that was kind of paradoxical mm-hmm. yeah. um I mean I think it's like anything where it's it depends like you can have a great audience who's you know giving respectful but also giving back energy you can have people who do way too much and you can have people who you know kind of aren't aren't there at all you know my favorite is when people hold their ears yeah that's 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 how you we know when it's working yeah exactly when when someone like leaves the room but then like looks back in that's how you know like you got them yeah that's sick (laughs) yeah i'm always like man like uh Dude, there's there's the the people that do too much. That's the one I'm most familiar. With. What, what is the? Can you give us a funny example about people doing too much? Um, absolutely. Uh, well, <laughs> there's like, there's this one place that we play, and I'm not gonna be specific, but there's a dude that always stands in front of me, uh, and we played there multiple times, and I will say he's a very large human, and uh, he has a really crazy like mohawk, and he just cries the entire Whoa. time we play. And I'm just always just like, 
this isn't fair. Like, why do, <laughs> like, why do I have to see this like the entire time I'm playing? I'm just trying to have wow. fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then there's also like the good way of doing too much where, and like, you know, I guess, uh, like we just played chili and I was literally like, please like, don't hurt yourself to like the oh, entire yeah. crowd. Cause they were just going so crazy. And I was like, uh, it was, it was intense, dude. It was very intense. Um, I myself as a spectator am the like stand in the way back and just like enjoy it in my own personal bubble. Uh, that's how I've always approached it. So yeah, uh, some of that shit can be crazy, dude. Like it's intense. Uh, uh, also though, I, I used to have a different band a long time ago, like post metal band. And we all know that nobody gives a fuck about post metal. <laughs> and um, I've literally had people just be like, boo, it sucks. <laughs> and I was just like, Dang. like, that's cool. Um, Cause I'm trying to be emotional and captivating. Uh, yeah. and you're, it's very abrupt when people do that kind of stuff. That's when you pull out the the leaf blower filled with yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, well, yeah, like uh, getting towards the end. So, like one of the one of the other things I love about you guys is like I don't and correct me if I'm wrong. Steven, right? we love you too. Yeah, I know. It's a big it's a big circle of love. I mean, triangle. You guys are like my favorite crew to hang out with. Like you guys and Kern and like Kevin. We all just ended up in L.A. Hell yeah. Which is sick, right? And when I first moved here, I was kind of like, man, I have a lot of friends here. Uh, but it doesn't feel like I have a lot of friends here, you know? And it was like kind of like freaking out. Um, I had a cat. The cat I know, the cat's, cat's so relaxed. The room is, yeah, very focused. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, doing nothing. Yeah, and she knows everybody in the room right now, which is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like when I was like, man, I was just super like relieved, uh, to like for you guys to be here because it's someone I can like I don't know if with you guys I can like say the craziest shit ever and you guys are just like yeah it's crazy well like whatever you know it's not a big deal uh I'm really I you know when I'm not hanging out with you guys I get a lot of like shaking heads at me and like man you're fucking psychotic and I'm like yeah but like you know whatever there's there's method behind it but okay so correct me if I'm wrong but like I really like a lot of the things you got like it seems like Reckon Reference is like there, there is a formula, but there's not, you guys don't have to, you don't have to stick to this, like, I don't know, like guitar, bass and drum formula, you know, it's like, and, uh, so like my, like my project for, for example, I went into it with the, like, I, I'm going to write this record. This is how I feel right now, but there's no rules for me. I'm going to, this, I can do whatever I want. Okay. And it seems like maybe perhaps you guys do. Uh, along sort of the same lines as that. So, like, do you, what do you guys see? Do you guys ever see your, like, sound expanding into other territories that you've never really been to at all? Are you guys really set in what you guys like to do? Or is it, like, is it, like, a no-rules sort of thing? Like, I can do whatever I want. Uh, one day I'm going to do this, you know? And it could be totally different. Is that, is, what do you guys, is that how you look at Reck and Reference ever? Or where do you guys see yourself expanding to if you do? I, mean, I guess... Well, I would say that ideally I would make music totally free of rules and mm -hmm. expectations, but there's always something, you know, there's either like your own personal boundaries or mm -hmm. like your maybe like perceived expectations or the, all these different things kind of weigh in. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's technological boundaries and like... See, that's what I mean though. Like you, with you guys, it's like the technological boundaries are like minimal. To me, yeah. you know, to me, looking at it yeah. from, like, you know, a point of view is, like, yeah, people create their own boundaries, I think, for sure. But you guys are not at all limited to, like, 
your instruments per se, you know, right? which is like the coolest shit to me. And that's like, that's how I felt when I started uh, my project it was like, oh, I have this thing like, like the sampler changed my life. I was just literally like, oh, this is everything I've ever, I can ever imagine doing, you know, like I'm, you guys are your own limitation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There, that, I guess that's maybe what I was go- going for. I guess the techno technological, I mean, we could never write, you know, make a record that sounds like, I don't know, like Radiohead with like incredible production value and all this other stuff. Like, um, I don't know that maybe that's a bad example. Or less. Le- I mean, no, no, I mean. <laughs> you know um but you know I, I yeah there's like all kinds of personal reservations and like i guess self-doubt is probably the Dude, biggest the worst. Uh, limiting factor and i get maybe a part of it is recognizing that and trying to l- learn to move past it yeah um, just but i would lo- i would love to be totally unin- uninhibited by all these things and totally. trying actively trying yeah yeah i mean i'm sure it comes with time and shit yeah i also i also think like you know, lack of inhibition towards like what end is is an important question. Like, I have no interest in writing any record that sounds like Mashuga or anything yeah. like that. I that's just not something I care about. Not something that resonates with me emotionally. I think both of us have pretty eclectic listening tastes, mm-hmm. and what kind of comes out of our experimentation is some sort of distillation of both our individual artistic goals or says some something kind of foggier than that like we never really discuss it and mm-hmm. i i i'll like write maybe a few words about what a song might be about but it's never it's never clearly defined you know and that's all influenced you know subconsciously by what we're listening to and mm-hmm. kind of just you know the artifacts of how we we start writing a song you know you just go down one path and that's going to lead you can, you can go all sorts of ways uh unencumbered by technology but you know, you're, you're kind of bound to, to a lot of things, but I, I don't think we have any, you know, it, it just, just all that to say in a very, uh, inarticulate way, like you're never really free from the influences of kind of your past mm-hmm. or the art of others. You only have like a limited um, thing to like pull upon within yourself, like for, yeah. Person, kind of. yeah, or it's just kind of what you think is like good mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what what when when you're kind of exploring and you like go down a road and you go oh not that way you know and then you try a different one and mm-hmm. you go okay that's a little better and you're you're kind of finding your way when you're, you're when you're writing a song mm-hmm. um you know even when it comes to you pretty pretty intact there's there's still some sort of element of of exploration there that that is you know it that doesn't come out of a void um and i i think that's like i always think you know, someone with a bird's eye view of my life could probably trace a lot of totally. musical decisions I've made back to, you know, specific records or things that, like, I wouldn't even make those connections there. But that's just how mm-hmm. I think the human mind works. You mm-hmm. kind of develop these subconscious appreciations and, like, affinities and avoidances. And that's that's something I think that, that I really like. Um like not knowing about Mm -hmm. it's like yeah it's like a it's like a it's like a you have this giant like vat of like uh you know past experiences and all those are you like you pull based on like the timing of everything and what you're doing at the moment and then it's filtered all through like your yeah personality basically you know 
Oh, yeah, that's 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 cool. And and like a reason I asked that too is because I know you guys have this like broad spectrum of uh, shit you listen to and shit you like, you know. So it's not it's it's not as limited as a lot of like uh, you know the fool that's listen to fucking shredding every day and like yeah. death metal and shit like that, you know. So that yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think if you only listen to one specific thing, you're gonna have a hard time creating something that's not very close to yeah. that. Yeah, and it's, and if you crazy. Like spread your ter- your musical territory like as wide as possible, then there's you're really free in terms of kind of like what influences you can draw on. But you know what I've been trying to get at, like the ones that shape you without you knowing. Totally. What have you guys like? What have you guys been listening to lately? Anything? Oh, well, real quick. Uh, when I was on when I was in Chile, uh, I was listening to Lee Noble like nonstop. Oh yeah, it's oh, yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. Killer, killer. Yeah, it was so, so, it's so good. Overlooked, so underrated. Yeah, I'm probably my favorite LA artist. Yeah, I, I was gonna ask. Like, he's from here. Yeah. yeah, he's he's incredible. He's put out a string of just killer stuff that will ruin your whole week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but you you just like you know you go into it and you don't stop listening. He's he's really incredible. And if anyone gets anything from this interview, it's that they should listen to more Lee Noble yeah, or yeah. check him out if they haven't listened to him. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else have you guys been listening to lately? I listened to the the new Richie Houghton album. Oh yeah, last night mm-hmm. I really liked it. I'm, really? I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, his, uh, I guess Minimal House mm-hmm. is probably that's dark, like right dark up my techno, fucking, right up my shit, dude. I'll, I'll be real. My favorite album of the year is Joanna Newsom's album. Sick. I love Joanna Newsom. <laughs> yeah, I'm, d- <laughs> like, dude, I'm down as fuck. I that album to me is just unparalleled in terms of its mastery of of everything just the the depth of it and it, it makes me cry uh pretty much every time i listen to it um it's just it's i don't believe in a real kind of perfection or transcendence or anything like that but that album almost makes me believe that that's possible yeah that's tight yeah um yeah i've been listening to like a lot of minimal techno too uh have you guys ever listened to that guy london oil no you ever no I'll send it to you. It's like a, uh, I'm probably just going to edit this out anyways. But like, I was just like, uh, I was like in France, dude, just like walking around and like, I don't smoke weed anymore. And I like smoked a little weed and I was like by myself and I went to the Louvre and I was like listening to London oil. And it's just like the most repetitive, like yeah. over and over same thing, uh, techno. And I was like in the Louvre just fucked up. Like this is the greatest experience I've ever had in my life ever. It was so sick. I'll send it to you. It's hella good. That's great. Um, so yeah, that's great. Like what's, uh, what's coming up for uh wreck and reference. Like you, you guys are looking for the summer release, right? Yeah. Um, like what show the fucking show that I can't play that's coming <laughs> that's up. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else is coming up for you guys? Any, like anything in the future, like tours you guys are planning to do, even just like thinking about it. We're gonna do a split seven inch with this band, so stressed. Oh, tight! So we we did a cover song for that awesome. split seven inch. Yeah. That'll be out before the album, probably, maybe, cool. hopefully, hopefully. Cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we got a couple of shows. Bostonage. Dude, that's so awesome, man. Um. But not maybe they will already be in the past by the time people hear this. We they're, <laughs> they're pretty soon. Yeah, we got a collab also with. Oh yeah, uh, um, a friend, uh, Ricky, Ricky Acid. Yeah, Ricky Acid. Mm-hmm. We we're gonna be on his new album. Cool. So that's a pretty nasty track. 
Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's on the horizon. Hopefully, maybe we'll go on tour again. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're just waiting for the album to come out and then get panned and then yeah, ritual <laughs> suicide. I think. Yeah, then we can go back to yeah. our normal challenge. Yeah, yeah. I hope we can tour again, man. I oh, mean, yeah. like, dude. That would be incredible, yeah. And not almost die every single day. Just, uh, <laughs> just well, we're working more. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, man. Uh, that's that's everything I got for you guys. Like, I really appreciate you guys coming on here. Thank you. That and, was uh, fun. Yeah, fuck yeah. And like, uh, as I expected, you guys have a lot of tight shit to say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, dude, Felix Ignat, I really appreciate you guys coming on here. Thank you very much. Thank I'll, you. Thank I'll you, see man. you guys uh, as soon as I press stop button. It's a wrecking reference. Tennis Fuck yeah. Later, guys. Later. All right, last thing before we get out of here, I would like to thank the producers, Delia Cruz from Augusta, Georgia, a.k.a. my mom. Thanks, mom. Uh, Javon Kellogg from Detroit, Michigan. Edward Bostock, New South Wales, Australia. That's what's up. Muhammad Abbasi from Roswell, Georgia. Okay? Uh, so yeah, thank you guys. Uh, you helped make this show possible. And uh, any donations from any of you four will always get links to the show notes. Always get on the end of the producer segment. I really fucking appreciate everything. Talk for radio. Information dog. Peace.